Houston Star of Hope Mission brings you a moment of hope. Could you spare a little hope today? Hi, this is Scott Arthur. Homelessness comes in all shapes and sizes, and for many reasons. Here's a story of a man who suffered a true midlife crisis. He lost everything. To cope, he became addicted to drugs and alcohol, until one day he found himself at the front door of Star of Hope. What was to follow changed his life, and most certainly his future. Today's guest is Tommy Ratliff. Tommy can best be described as an alumni of the Men's Development Center downtown at Star of Hope. And, uh, well, my gosh, he's got quite a journey and quite a story. So, Tommy, let's start out. When did you go to the Men's Development Center at first, and why did you go there? Well, it was back in uh, September of 2010. I had been uh, fighting with addictions and alcoholism. My sister suggested the Star of Hope was the place for help. Well, at first I made fun of her and didn't accept that idea, but then in September, of course, I decided to come here. I only wanted to put the bottle down and get some needed surgery was my only intentions at the Star of Hope. Oh, wait a minute. Now, so you're, you're picking up your life probably about late 40s, early 50s when you did this? Yes, yes. I, I what think I was, what was your life before that? Well, my life was good for a long time, for many years, but after a divorce and a, a loss of business in 1997, it's when my life really started plummeting downhill quickly. Did you reach out to others for help? No, actually, I thought I had reached my plateau in life. I was convinced myself that this was my destination. See, I didn't believe in God. I didn't know what there was out there to offer for me. And so you went to the Men's Development Center at Star of Hope? Right, I I came to the Star of Hope uh, not even knowing what they had to offer. My only intentions were was to maybe put the bottle down for a few months and get off the crack pipe for a few months and just see what happened. And what did happen? Well, uh, after a, a week here, I met Jesus. I let God into my heart, which I thought I'd never do. It was an overwhelming experience, uh, much like described in the book of Acts. I uh, was overwhelmed with the Spirit. I cried continuously for a good 20 minutes or a half hour. Uh, it was a, a born-again, amazing feeling. I wasn't in the program at that time. I was in the uh, rescue mission downstairs. But after that occurrence, I begged to get in the program. So after three days of begging, they finally let me in the program. Let me explain to those listening that uh, we have different phases of programming at the Men's Development Center. Uh, Out of about 320 beds, we have about a third of those beds are for what we call the rescue mission. And these are the people who will come in like yourself uh, overnight or maybe for a couple of days or possibly a couple of weeks, and maybe be exposed to what we have to offer program-wise, but not necessarily sign up. Uh, a good majority of the guys will you know, maybe stay two or three days and then go back out on the streets. And that's another question I had. Were you on the streets? Were you homeless? I was staying on a friend's couch in a little town north of Dallas, Fort Worth, and all my avenues had pretty much expired because of my addiction and abuse. Uh, So yes, I was homeless, but not quite on the streets. But close. Real close. You heard about the programs, and suddenly you've discovered Christ. And that's probably something you didn't see coming. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Blindsided, 
totally blindsided. What led to that? You know, I, I think it was uh, my uh, guilt. Every morning, I would go over to a, a near park where the homeless men would hang out. We'd get free coffee and a stale pastry every morning. Well, I would get my free coffee and my pastry, and I'd burn off. I continued to do this every day. But one day, my conscience said, stay, sit down, listen to the preacher, show, his, show respect for this free coffee and this stale donut. And while I was sitting in a little plastic chair under the shade of a cottonwood tree, it was a Wednesday morning. The spirit uh, overtook me completely. My mind and my soul was no longer mine. Mm. It was uh, scary, but it was also such a comfortable weight off my shoulders. And I cried, square-mouthed, unable to speak for many, many minutes. It was incredible. I love that you remember the day and probably the time that that happened. The rest of my life. Yeah. Okay, so you're at Star of Hope. You're in a program. What program? Well, they have a program called the Spiritual Recovery Program. Uh, it's a seven-month program. The first 30 days when you go into the program is basically an experimental to see if this is what you really want to do. Who are you surrounded by? I mean, all, all your other classmates, so to speak. Who are these guys? Describe them. Man, all these guys are so awesome. We all are here for one purpose. That's to get clean and sober and to get with God. But we all have differences. It's a very diverse culture up there. We come from different alleys, different avenues, different parts of town, even different states. But we're all here for one general purpose, to get our life together. So the first step was getting your life together here at Star of Hope by getting closer to Jesus and getting a little focus in your life. Yes, yes, it was, it's incredible. Like I say, my whole life I was raised against Christ. Uh, the Bible was a good book with a pretty good set of rules that all preachers were just really good car salesmen. Uh, the churches were a way to funnel money because it was tax-free. That's what I was raised to believe. Now at the age of 53, the Spirit convinced me different. I fell so in love with Christ, that's all I wanted to do was learn more about the Bible. We have a celebration called a commencement ceremony. And then you go from the SRP end of the building, the Spiritual Recovery Program, to another section in the building called TLC, which is Transitional Living Center. That's where we have a little more freedom. Uh, we learn how to uh, fill out an application. We uh, learn a few more things, and we are actually looking for work. This is when we're trying to be prepared to leave the nest. Mm. Scary. Well, it was scary. And my first week over there, they sent me to this place called Work Faith, to, where they teach you how to do an application and everything. That's when the truth about my hands came out. Both my hands were crippled with Dupertin's disease. Instead of getting my hands fixed during my addiction, I just ignored them. And I was actually unable to pick up a Coke can without using both hands. My hands were so crippled. So I came back to the Star of Hope and told them about my hands. I had hid the whole time. And they cried and they prayed for me. And they told me where to go. They let me live here for another year while I went through a series of hand surgeries. The very 
middle part of the program, I was offered the opportunity to earn a GED, to go to GED classes, because I was a ninth grade dropout. So I did go to classes, and I loved that experience. I, I fell in love with learning. It was all new to me. When I obtained my GED, got my certificate, I was so excited that every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, I was in the GED room teaching what I had learned to the men that were behind me. Wow. So you went from walking into rescue mission, being surrounded by a bunch of the guys who stayed on the streets and under the bridges, worked your way up to a spiritual recovery program, got to the point where you found out that uh, you can get some help with your hands surgically, and you're also getting help with your life physically and spiritually. And now you're actually turning around and taking what you've learned and helping other people with that and becoming a teacher. Yes, yes. I mean, why not? I want other men to feel the feelings I felt when I learned new things, when the Spirit moves me. It's such an incredible new high, if you will. And I love to see the look on a man's face when he learns something new and gets that aha moment. It's incredible. You are surrounded by guys who probably started off on the street. You never got that far, but probably some of the people in the program lived under a bridge for a while, and they're getting as far as you are or very close to it. And, and that's interesting because I, I don't consider you that typical, or are you? I don't, I don't consider myself any better or any less than anybody. I just think my desire to love Jesus Christ and now my new addiction for learning may set me on a different path than the average person. When I was going through my uh, physical therapy, this was a long, drawn-out deal because I had both hands operated on, of course, one at a time. One of the hands took three different surgeries. My therapist kept telling me, you got a GED, Tommy. Why stop there? And I said, Jackie, I worked my tail off this GED. It was quite challenging for a ninth-grade dropout. She said, don't stop, go to college. I laughed at her, I laughed at her. One day leaving Jackie's therapy, I was on the bus. The bus went right by the University of Houston downtown. On the way there, my son called. I haven't talked to him in months. He said, dad, I'm fixed to go to the county and do three and a half. Do you know anybody that can watch my dog? I started crying again, whose fault is it? When your son goes to jail, whose fault is it? I was a terrible dad. I screamed at the bus driver. I said, stop this bus now. I went off. He stopped. I walked in UHD. I said, I'm going to learn how to help people. The University of Houston downtown, after three months, accepted my application. I got a federal grant, and I started college August of 2012. What did you study? I have changed my major four times. I was so uneducated, I didn't know what they offered. So I started out wanting to learn about, uh, to be a psychologist or psychiatrist. And after a couple of semesters, I learned something new. And I'm like, oh no, that's what I want to do. Well, while learning that, I see something new. Oh no, that's what I want to do. So uh, my final path was 
corporate communications, uh, majoring in diversity management. You seem to have discovered a talent in yourself to teach. I love teaching. I actually, I, I continued to teach here at the Star of Hope every Saturday morning for five years. I graduated in May the 26th with a uh, bachelor's degree, Bachelor of Arts, uh, the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, Corporate Communications. I graduated cum laude of my class, top 15%. Now, I have a job interview Monday morning to stay on campus and start my MBA. I am, I am speechless. It is amazing. And this you started out wanting to put down the bottle about eight years ago. Exactly. So you had an eight-year journey. Oh, it's more than a journey. It's been an adventure. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. What's your future? What do you want to do? You know, I quit worrying about my future when the spirit overwhelmed me. That was uh, August. It was October the 5th, 2010. I quit worrying about my future, and God's got me here. I don't make decisions anymore. I just lean when he shoves me. I lean in the right direction. I stumble sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But God got me here. I didn't plan on going to college. I didn't plan on getting a GED. I didn't plan on graduating cum laude. And you did all this with the help of Star of Hope. Oh, I couldn't have done it without Star of Hope. I could not have done it. It would have been totally out of reach, impossible. As a matter of fact, without the Star of Hope, I would have never met Christ. What does your family think? There's only, my family is real small. There's only myself, my two older sisters, of course, my son, who's still in prison. But my sisters, my oldest sister hated me so bad that even through recovery, when I sent her a letter apologizing, trying to repent, she still wouldn't answer my letters. It was a year after I commenced that she finally let me back into her life. Now, my sisters, we love each other like we were children again. It's just really awesome. I have their total support. I have one final question for you. Yes. Now, when you're on the bus, or you're walking down the street, and you see a homeless person, you see somebody under the bridge, or it's just some guy staring into space, or maybe a mom with a couple of kids. What are your thoughts? I used to not even think I'd walk wide circles around them, but now it's depressing. It's to the point where if somebody approaches me, which happens quite often, I still live downtown, looking for a handout or looking for a favor, I try to tell them in today's terms what uh, Peter told the beggar. I don't have money, I'm sorry but I can point you in the right direction. There's a place called the Star of Hope. It's where I started a new life. Well, Tommy's new life continues to get better. During that Monday interview he mentioned, he found out he did get that job, and he plans to pursue a master's degree in the fall. Not bad for a ninth grade dropout who was living on somebody's couch and addicted to crack. He was guided to Star of Hope. And it's as if Jesus met him at the door. In his own words, Tommy said, Without the star of hope, there was no light in the tunnel. Today, there is no tunnel, only light. For more information and videos of Change Lives, visit SOHmission.org. 
Well, that's all for now. Until next time, keep a soul full of joy and a heart filled with hope. A Moment of Hope is produced and presented by the Star of Hope Mission, ending homelessness one life, one family at a time by providing services to more than 1,000 homeless men, women, and children each day in Houston. For more information or to donate to the Star of Hope Mission, please visit sohmission.org.